I don't know. Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. Day Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Good morning, everyone. This is Fran Lewis, and I am waiting for the author of Make Your Move to call in. I don't know what happened. John Berger is supposed to be here and talk about his up his brand new book called The Science. New Science of Dating and Why Women Are in Charge. Um, the book focuses on women being in charge of dating. It offers bold ideas and hallelujah, finally, yay. Let me see if I can get high. Hey, was that, was 10 o'clock was the right time, right? Yeah, but they were supposed to tell you to call in before, that's why. <laughs> so oh, I'm worried. sorry. Just... No, he t- he, I'm sorry. No, he told me 10. That's okay. This is very interesting. Um, what made you decide to write a book about dating, and where were you when I was dating before, a long time ago? <laughs> well, <laughs> so my my first book, Datanomics, was less of an, an advice book. Um, it explored mm-hmm. how lopsided gender ratios among college graduates kind of affect post-college dating. So for the past, mm-hmm. um, you know, 30 years, we've had one-third more women than men graduate from college, and probably like lots of people, I knew all these fabulous single women who had everything going for them but couldn't find a, find a guy. Um, but the, the first book was really more kind of pop science, anthropology. I didn't really have any solutions to this problem. Um, and when I got out on book tour, I realized that uh, while women did appreciate the explanation, they still wanted me to tell them what to do. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that, that was kind of the um, the origin of my new book, Make Your Move. Well, if they knew my mother, she would have programmed them to date whoever she told them to. Seriously, <laughs> there was a, there was a, I'm serious. There's a lot in this book. Like she would say to me, "Okay, so and so didn't call you. Why don't you call them and find out why?" I go, "Ma, I really don't care. I don't like them. Doesn't matter." And she, she she did the strangest things. So, to this day, there are so many articles and books that deal with rules for dating. But why are some of them still so old-fashioned? Is it really that wrong for a girl to call a guy and say, hey, I'm interested? And But she has to understand that she, he might say, I'm not. Seriously. Yeah, no, no. It's kind of amazing that we have all these incredibly powerful Women yeah. running, you know, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. We have Angela Merkel, like negotiating truces in in Ukraine. <laughs> but 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 mm-hmm. God forbid a woman ask out a guy out, uh, ask a guy out on a date, or even worse, ask him to marry her. Um, like so, so we're kind of. It feels like we've achieved progress in so many other aspects of gender roles, but we're kind of stuck in this one. And uh, I, I don't. I mean, if if I thought kind of traditional gender roles in dating worked for women, I would say, you know, great. But um, 
I, I, I don't believe they work so well, particularly because I think a lot of guys these days are gun-shy and nervous about doing or saying the wrong thing. So I think mm-hmm. like women who are assertive and who ignore all these kind of old-fashioned rule books like like the rules or ignore the guy, get the guy, which basically advocate this very complicated version of playing hard to get. Um, I, I think women who kind of bypass that and just, do what, do what they want to do, and they, there's a guy they like, ask him out, I think those women fare better. Well, I see them in the bakery, seriously, and I see them everywhere, and they don't care who's married either. Seriously, <laughs> they really don't. I know, I know, because my husband walked into the bakery the other day, and three girls walked up to him. I didn't say anything. I just cracked up laughing, and they looked at me and go, he's stuck with me. What can I tell you? And I just, I was like, you got to have a sense of humor because you know, after a while, you get, you get like, what is going on here? I know my my new book is coming out at the end of the month, and I gave it to my next door neighbor. And what she did was she wrote the gorgeous guy in in this apartment who's married to the cute little thing, um, wrote this book, and um, we're going to get the book, but he he's going to autograph it instead of her. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I know it's a laugh or cry, but. So Brian tried to do something, a Starbucks thing. Why didn't it work? And I, I, I love cappuccinos. <laughs> so, so what does so? So Brian, sh- should I give you the context uh, about who yeah. Brian is and what he does? Yeah. So, so, yeah, so my that friend would help. Brian, that was yeah. Yeah. So my friend Brian Howie is kind of a uh, he, he he's a kind of a comedian who runs this traveling show called the great love debate and the great love debate is kind of part comedy act part town hall on the um on the current state of dating and the setup is there's i don't know 500 people in the audience he acts as kind of a host moderator and then there are maybe four dating experts on stage who kind of um you know, who are like, and Brian kind of moderates this conversation between the dating experts on stage and the audience. And I've been on stage for, I think, six or seven of these shows. Um, and Brian has this, this kind of bit that he does every, every great love debate in which he pulls two volunteers from the audience, a woman who says she's approachable and a guy who claims he's got game. And um, I, I have to say that the last, you know, the last time I was on the panel, it was post Me Too, and it was interesting because the the the, the guy um, who the the guy who volunteered was like so tongue tied and so nervous, <laughs> the whole thing started feeling kind of cruel and unusual. Whereas before Me Too. Um, you know the, the guys were still cautious, but not all of them were. I mean, I mean some of the um, some of the guys ended, ended up touching the woman, like trying to. You know, they, 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 well, no, they, the goal is to pretend that they're in line at Starbucks, and he's yeah. trying to pick her up. I'm sorry, I left that part out. So in order to get her attention, he like you know touched her shoulder, touched her arm, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, uh, Brian always asks the audience for like a little bit of a post-mortem, uh, like, well, what did you think of what, what, what transpired during this play acting? And the response is always the same. Like, one-third of the women hate the touching and consider it harassment. Um, one-third don't mind it. And one-third say they would only want a guy to touch them if he was cute. 
Yeah, but but this kind of gets to the problem because guys don't know, mm. particularly in the post Me yeah. Too world, whether they qualify. That that's very true because you don't know whether they're just trying to get your attention or they're trying to get something else. Seriously. Well, right, but yeah. but but I think you know. But I, I think the it's it's just safer these days for men yeah. not not to take risks. And and the yeah. flip side of that is women who are willing to take risks just have this huge built-in advantage over other women who kind of wait and wait and wait um, to be courted. My mother would say, wait till they call you. Except if you don't, they knock you. Then find out why. I thought, I, you know, basically, I don't care. It doesn't matter. So yeah, what I is it? Like she, yep, I'm with you. It's a, doesn't sound like what? It's just like weird. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like, I mean, the, like I said, guys are a little gun shy these days. And the, mm. and the, the, the secret about men that men, that women never believe, but I, is, is true for most of us, is that guys like women who like them. And mm-hmm. um, whereas all these dating books, like the rules, have, have, convinced women that the moment you show too much interest in the guy, he will become less interested in you. Um, and maybe that was true once upon a time, but I don't believe it's true right now. I wouldn't even tell you. Well, I graduated college when I was 18, and I wasn't allowed to date till I was 21. No chaperone. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't even know. And then oh, my oh, father... My father had his list of who is acceptable, and I go like, "Are you serious? These guys are old enough to be my grandfather." Probably yeah, why I, he I, told, did, did, I got discouraged, so I didn't care. So what does it say? You know, sometimes you meet somebody, and the person on both sides could be really nice. So why do they play these crazy games with them? Why don't they just say, "I really like you. I want to get to know you," and instead of playing, playing hard to get away, they play games like I don't know. Or they play because games on diverse they, level. They, they, yeah, because, I mean, again, I think it's because the conventional dating bi- dating advice that's been sold to women um, going back many, many years. I mean, the I mean, the the, the rules and its you know sequels. Uh, these books have mm-hmm. have sold gazillions of copies. There've been a gazillion copycat books like Ignore the Guy, Get the Guy that all kind of preach this idea that um, that men are hardwired to be aggressive and and to pursue women and that kind of the biological role for women is is merely to be passive filters of male advances um mm. you know and i i you know the, the science doesn't really back that up there's no you know, the biologists have looked at this and have found that there's no evidence behind this. This is kind of a cultural creation, um, mm. and and this is why women who are are what I call rule breakers um, tend to have this advantage. Uh, but but I'm not I'm not blaming women who have kind of grown up mm-hmm. with this, this ethos, this notion that that the only way to get a guy is by playing hard to get, because that's been the advice that's been passed along. It sounds like by you know your mom and by thousands you know millions of moms and by all these dating books, yeah. and you know it's it's a challenge to get singles to think oh well you know what I've been told may not be true. Well, you said a little brother, not much younger than me. Uh, me, I'm I'm fifty two. 
Yeah, and he he was he was a trip and a half. So if I really didn't like someone, he got rid of them for me. Took care of it. No problem. <laughs> he would call the person would call up and he'd go like, "My sister really doesn't like you. Bye." And I would have to pay him five dollars to do that, but it was worth it. Well, the guy would walk in and he would say, um, "I'm not feeling well. You're not going out because my sister needs to watch me." I wanted to kill him. But I used to crack up laughing. But sometimes that does work. <laughs> Never know. So this was interesting. What is Make Your Move Online Dating Challenge? What does that mean? I, I think that was uh, really offline, cool. offline dating challenge. So offline, um, yeah, offline. That's what I wrote. I'm, I'm looking at my thing offline. It says offline. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I'm not. You know, if you read the book, you know, I'm not a fan of of dating apps. Um, you know, I, yeah. I, like I, I, I've yet to meet the woman who comes up to me and says, "Oh." I love Tinder. I love OkCupid. All the guys aye, aye. are so nice, and everything works out so well. And it's so easy to find true love. I mean, I mean, the it's it's like laughable every time I start into this stick. Um, uh, most singles, and the surveys show this, most singles don't like online dating, um, and they don't trust the people on the yeah. dating app. Um, yet, it's kind of a it's kind of an addiction at this point because there's like what I call the fear of missing out. You know, like if if everybody else is on the apps, yeah. I have to be on the apps too. Um, even though, you know, the the science shows that the breakup rates are significantly higher for couples who meet online than for people who meet in the real world. Um, and also that there are legitimate safety risks, um, you know, to dating complete strangers online versus people you actually know and have a connection to um, in the in the real world. I mean, there was a survey that Pew Research um, did that showed that I think um, one-fifth of women on dating apps have been threatened with physical violence. I mean, if there was a singles bar where mm-hmm. one out of every five you know, women um, were being threatened with violence, I mean, nobody would go back. Um, so the point of the offline dating challenge is to kind of try to get singles to take a break from online dating, and I kind of call it a romantic cleanse. Um, You know, like basically delete all the apps, um, you know, and go back to dating people who you know or who or whom you're connected to in the real world. Mm-hmm. And it starts with making making a list of um of single people you know whom you've ever wanted to date. And um actually I ask this question all the time, singles. Um and I, I gave a talk to a, a college in Florida not so long ago and I asked them this question, how how many of you know somebody how many of you know somebody single whom you've ever wondered about dating? And there were 30 kids in this class, and 30 hands went up. So my sense, you know, my sense is that most people—not all people, but most people—know singles who they they wondered about dating. And my question is, why would you start from zero with a complete stranger from an app when you when there's already somebody you know and like who you've thought about dating? So anyway, this the first step is making a list. The second step um, is. Or, 
uh, well, the first step is getting rid of the apps. The second step is making a list. And then kind of it goes on from there to, you know, um, asking friends and family to recommend someone uh, if they have any ideas for setups, um, then ranking the list, things like that. But the, the, the whole idea is to create a game plan for singles, particularly single women, to ask out um, men whom they either already know from the real world or who or whom are whom they're connected to, maybe through friends, maybe through family, because of an important part of dating is accountability. I mean, I think one of the reasons why there's so much complaining from, particularly from women, about uh, online first dates is because there's no accountability. I mean, the, the guy can act like a jerk, and you know, he there's no consequence. But if um, if your best friend sets you up with her cousin and the cousin acts like a jerk on a first date, there are going to be consequences. So I, I think um, I think dating people whom you actually know um, or whom you're connected to from the real world has huge advantages. No, I agree with you because, you know, I've read a lot of books, as you know, and there's a safety factor, too, because sometimes, I know these are dating agencies that I've dealt with in the past a long time ago, and sometimes the profiles, what they tell you is not true. Sometimes the pictures that they show you is not really that person. Oh, well, oh what yeah. They well, tell, me, what they claim they do, yeah, they don't. They lie a lot too, which is really scary, because you don't yeah, know no, if, I mean, who the, you're meeting. Absolutely. I mean, with the app, with the apps in particular. I mean, a, a good matchmaker is doing is doing her due diligence. But with a dating app, you have no idea um, yeah. who's who's walking through the door of the sushi restaurant. And there's a woman I interviewed for the book um, who told me um, after so many bad experiences of men lying to her, she started, she kind of viewed online dating as, in her words, a doubter's game, you know, D-O-U-B-T, mm-hmm. you know, a doubter's game. And, um, and as a result, she started kind of, Every first date, she would spend the first date trying to find the holes in the guy's story, you know, just to make sure he wasn't married, he wasn't an axe murderer, that he really was a pilot and not, you know, an ex-con or something like that. Um, But if you're spending your entire first date trying to kind of fact check and poke holes in his story, that's just not going to lead to a lot of second dates. Well, actually, I used to poke holes on it before that. I used to try to find out. Yeah, I was just like, can I get the guy's phone number? Now, when you get the guy's phone number, you put it in your Google or whatever, and if the phone number comes up as something different other than what he said, whatever, then sometimes my phone gets blocked, so I could call and just hang up. I don't trust people. I learned that a long time ago because the other thing is very true, that you don't ever tell them where you live, ever. And you try to tell the dating agency, don't ever tell them where I live. I'm going to meet them somewhere else. And I don't drive, so I had to take a cab wherever I was going. And I took a cab back because I don't trust anybody. You don't know who you're meeting. And after a while, I just was lucky. But I got introduced to my husband by a friend. I got lucky. Well, well, so, so this is, um, I, I, I bet, like, your comfort level on, that, on your first date yeah. with your husband was completely different yeah. from anything yeah. you'd experience with a stranger, right? It was because the minute I walk through the, I'm very perceptive. He hates that. So either I like you right away or I'm going to tell you to go take a hike. 
so I was I was lucky. Yeah, it was very 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 different because I had but, a but, but, warm feeling and I trusted the person, but you don't know you still right. don't know. But but even if there was no chemistry, you probably trusted the yeah. mutual friend not to set you up with yeah. somebody who was a terrible person, right? And, and, I, and I think yeah. What, what, yeah, what's interesting about this is that the research shows that just that different that shift in mindset um, can have a big impact on mm-hmm. on dating outcomes because if you go into a first date. Um, you know, with having done a day of fact-checking, like what you just described, and then creating a safety plan, like with your roommate or your best friend, like I'm going to be at Sushi Palace at 7.30. If you don't hear from me by 9, call the cops. Like like that that level of anxiety going into a first date is not conducive to falling in like or falling in love. And, and I'm not, I'm not, criti- I, I, I believe, I agree with you that the, this, these sorts of safety considerations are really important for women. But it creates this catch-22 when it comes to online dating because yeah. every, every first date on a dating app is a blind date with a complete stranger. You're right, but you know what I do. What did also? I mean, I'll never forget it. When this one dating agency introduced me to somebody, and I really looked cute. And as I was in the, and you know, walking outside wherever I was meeting this person, and he looked at me and he said, "You're not my type." I said, "In that case, you could disappear." And that was kind of insulting. But you know what? You get over it, and I and I didn't care. But I had my own checklist. I mean, if. I went out on a date. My sister would text me, and I would text her back to let her know if it was going to happen or not, <laughs> even right. though she was miles away. Yeah, because you have to let somebody know where you are because you don't want right. to do but, that. But, but I'm, yeah. I'm guessing with your mutual friend you know, setting you up, yeah. it wasn't quite the same concern, right? No, it was. It was okay. Lucky you stuck with me for almost 24 years in July. But then, right, but yeah, but my point. I just think the mindset yeah. going into the first date is going to be more relaxed if you're going yeah. out on a date with a, with a coworker who you've known for six months, or your best friend's friend, or the guy you know from you know the softball team, or you know whatever whatever we're talking about. People you actually know in real life. There's already some kind of a connection and some kind of accountability that's going to make the first date. Um, probably more successful. Now, the other question is, and I have it in here, you're talking about office romances, and office yeah. bosses don't particularly like that. So, seriously, what happens if you happen to meet the boss's son or a guy that, that you're working with on a project and you don't want to tell anybody that you're dating and there's always somebody, some friend that you're going to tell that has a big mouth or whatever. So how do you deal with that? Because they don't really like office romances because if it doesn't work out, it makes it look bad for the company. Well, maybe not. Yeah, it's, it's, you're right. It's, it's much more complicated now than it was, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know 30 years ago. I, I think these studies show that um, uh, I think in the 1980s or maybe it was 90s, um, 20% of couples were meeting through work in some way, that's now down to 10%. And I think, you know, the explanation for that goes to what you were just describing, that, that there's this 
you know, um, employers and, and, you know, employees, particularly women, are, are worried about sexual harassment and, mm-hmm. you know, and sexual harassment lawsuits in the case of the employer. And um, as a result, dating at work has just become more complicated. I, I, and I guess my response would be, okay, if, you, if you're just looking for a fling um, or a casual relationship, yeah, I mean, yeah maybe the complications aren't worth it. But, um, you know, if you're looking for a life partner, you know, the, you're not shopping for a used car. You're, you're looking for somebody who you want to spend the rest of your life with. And if there is a guy whom you've worked with for eight months or year um, and you really hit it off and you've seen him in in difficult and great – you see him in all sorts of scenarios, um, um, you know, you know, ten hours a day um, for you know for a year, you, you probably have a pretty good feel already as to whether this is a person, this is a good person, and a person that you're compatible with. So, to me, in that kind of a scenario, it's worth the chance because you, you know you're you're almost halfway there. I mean, if you've worked with the guy, you already know if your values are in line. You already know mm-hmm. if you get along. You already know if your senses of humor are compatible. And this is why you know, the science shows that 25 or 30 percent of couples who meet at work eventually marry, and that's incredibly high, as you as you know. Um, and, and I think the reason these these workplace dating situations work out so well is because these people go into the first date already knowing each other really well. But what happens if it doesn't work out? Does somebody leave work or they just get over it? I, That's I, the I hard part. just get over it. I mean, you know, I mean, the, I, it's interesting. I, I think... Um, some of the employers have, have come up with smart policies on kind of managing workplace dating. Um, and this isn't exactly what you're talking about, but I, but but it's related. Um, like both um, both Facebook and Google have workplace dating policies that say that you can ask anybody out on a date once, but only once. And okay. any answer that's not an explicit yes counts as a no. So if I ask you out and you say, yeah, I'm busy on Wednesday, that's a no. Um, and uh, if you if you ask ask the person out again, you know, you're fired. So I, I, I think this is kind of a smart solution to the sexual harassment problem and women feel, who who may feel like they're being pestered at work uh, because it, it kind of it allows the office romance to still exist and blossom. But it kind of, I think it really reigns in the the pestering and the harassment that some women experience in the workplace. Now, here's the other question that got me when I read this part. You actually read yeah. the book right away and then memorized everything as much as I could. <laughs> I did. I love it. It's, it's frightening. And I have to tell you, I normally never knew do you know these type of books ever, but this is fun. And it was a change from Murder Mystery. And besides, John is fantastic. I love John Goodman. And he's, he, he very rarely asks me to review a book. And when he did, I go like, I'm going to jump at this one. This is really great. So why uncheck the college box? 
you know, so, so the first thing that is it yep, under, is an educated woman like myself, you know, a threat, or does someone hide their intelligence? Because a lot of times people act ditzy because they don't want anybody to know they're really smart. Oh, oh no, no, no. It's, actually, it's actually the reverse. So, so when I talk about yeah. unchecking the college box, I'm talking about um, these screening functions that singles yeah. on dating apps use to find other singles. Mm-hmm. And I think uh-huh. what, what a, lot of, um, a lot of people, and I think it's, it's almost, it's not even, even conscious, I mean, or it is conscious, but, but it, nobody puts too much thought into it because... If you grew up with college-educated parents and you went to college and, and you live in a white-collar world, um, obviously when you're doing a search function for a potential partner, I think it's, you know, you might not even think twice about saying, okay, well, I want, I want somebody who went to college. And, um, mm-hmm. and you know, like, it, it's like, it's like you know, when you're shopping for, I know you said you don't drive, but it's like shopping for a new car, checking, checking off, you know, uh, you know all the options that you want in a new car, and one of them is free for college grad people. It's to ha- date another college grad. And the point I make in the book is that, um, well, it's twofold. One, there are fewer college grad men these days. So if you have a, an environment, a world in which there are one third more women than men graduate graduating from college, um, by by you know, by only searching or by only being willing to date um, other men who went to college, you're limiting yourself to a too small dating pool and you're giving those mm-hmm. educated men kind of a, 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 an unfair advantage. and it, it makes them easier to take advantage of you because they have so many more options. And... So, so my advice when I talk about unchecking the college box is to kind of open yourself up to the possibility of dating electricians or firemen or, or plumbers or whatever because, I mean, I, 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 you know, they, you know, obviously if there are too many women in the college grad dating pool, there are going to be too many men in the non-college dating pool. And the research shows that um, that the sex that's in the majority, you know, there are too many of, that, that um, those guys tend to be more monogamous. So I actually think some of those electricians and firemen and cops, you know, might be better partners um, than the lawyers and doctors who have a million options. I dated lawyers and doctors, and I never, never, seriously. <laughs> now, they they were, you know, arrogant, or they thought that, and I have quite a number of college degrees, and I can yeah. hold my own, and, and I said, you know what, I'm better off. I don't like lawyers at all, so for other reasons, that's beside the point. And doctors lately, they're not on my top ten list of anything anyway. So let's say... You finally meet someone, and you finally like this person. So what are the qualities of a reluctant groom? What happens if he decides to chicken out? That happens. So, so. so I, I, I'm guessing, Fran, you, you, you know people, couples who are in this situation, in which, like, they've been dating five, six years, the woman yeah. wants to get married, but the guy seems to be in no rush. Is that is that like a scenario you've seen yeah. play out before? Yeah. Yeah. So, um question is what to do about it. And in in my first book, Datanomics, um, my solution was a marriage ultimatum. Um, mm-hmm. 
but it wasn't it wasn't long like after the book came out that I started having regrets and and second thoughts about that advice. And it, it's not that it can't work. It's just that it's like utterly unromantic. I mean, like um, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 telling a guy to like put a ring on it or else is not. It's not the story you're going to be telling the grandkids someday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and actually, and actually, the, the, these, you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is that these engagement stories are important, and they can kind of be mortar to a successful relationship. Telling and retelling the wonderful story about how you got engaged um, can actually be important to the relationship. So having an engagement story in which, you know, I, I gave your dad a marriage ultimatum and he finally gave in is not, you know, it's not, not going to be, um, it's not something you can kind of build off of easily. And also the woman is always going to live in fear of that day that he, you know, you get into a, a fight and, you know, it wasn't, I'm married, you're married. I mean, marriages are not always easy. And someday there's going to be some, some fight in which he said, well, I, I didn't even want to get married, but you made me. Um, and, like, you know, I, I started worrying about those kinds of issues. And it seemed to me, after talking to you know, some dating experts um, mm-hmm. and others who I interview in the book, that a, a far better solution to the ultimatum is to just ask the guy to marry you. Because, you know, telling a guy, marry me or else, is much, much different saying to a guy, look, I love you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Will you marry me? Um, very few guys, uh, if they really value the relationship, are going to say no to the latter. But as you know, guys get defensive, and his reaction mm-hmm. to, the, to, the, to the former, to, to the ultimatum, might be unnecessarily negative because guys just don't like being told what to do. Yeah, I know. And sometimes other things come into play. I'm getting really good at this, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> sometimes, yeah, I mean, it could be really great guy, really great girl. They get along great, and then somebody's mother doesn't want the relationship. So what do you do then? Well, see, I, I have to say the couples I know who are in that boat, um, it actually strengthened mm-hmm. the relationship. Like the, you know, the, like, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's the whole, like, it's with kids. Like the whole thing of like, oh, you know, you definitely can't do that. And then suddenly that's the only thing they want to do. So, so I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm sure there have been scenarios in which relationships have failed because the parents didn't approve. But at least the yeah, ones I've seen, it. It, it's kind of been the opposite. That, that, the, you know, that the, the external pressure kind of drew them closer together. You know what I thought was cool? I have the book in front of me, and I have two nieces that don't know it, but they're getting copies of this. This is very important because one is not dating anybody, which is a good thing, and the other one is dating someone that I'm not sure about because I haven't met him, and he hasn't Facebooked me, so I can't you know, give my opinion, but I will eventually. So join the conversation on your Make Your Move blog at John Burke. How does that help people? That is so cool. Well, I, you know, I, it was really that I wanted, you know, this is my first true advice book, and I just wanted to, I wanted people to email me and tell me, like, how, mm-hmm. um, you know, how things were going, and, the, the, you know, if they used the advice, I wanted them to share their stories. So it was really, I mean, that was really just the idea that I wanted to, um, 
I wanted to hear from people. And actually, as it, tur- as it has turned out, uh, most of the people who have emailed me, you know, they, they don't really want their stories on the blog necessarily, and that's fine. But but I'm still glad to um, to get the feedback and to you know and to hear that in in most cases, not all, but in most cases, um, they've been you know they, they've been. Um, it's worked out. Like they've taken chances that they wouldn't have otherwise taken, and suddenly mm-hmm. opportunities have have popped up. No, I think this is really cool. Like I said, where were you? But before I forget, um, I have three. I have haven't had three shows in a week. I have. I'm booked until the end of October, with three every week. It's like, oh my god. So, the 15th tomorrow, the author of the day before I died, J.F. Whitaker. On the 16th, uh, Brian Silverman, Freedom Job. On Monday, Chris Carlson, the ACAC Girls. On the 23rd, Charlie Finley. On the 28th, Dead Tree Tales. Somebody tried to poison an Angora Oak. On the 29th, Tess Gerrinson and Gary Braver, Choose Me. And on the 30th, a book that is really, it's called Through a Sober Lens, and it's through, this guy is a photographer, but he was um drug addict, and an alcoholic, and he tells a story through pictures that he took, photographs. It's, when, it's, it's fantastic. So that's what's coming up. I take a break in July, and August I start with Jeff Bond um, and, and, his, and his new release, um, The Begonia of Killer. Killer. So what is the best plan and best way in a relationship to keep it going? And is there a real formula, or you just have to figure it out for yourself? In terms of a, like a, a marriage or an existing relationship? Any kind you, of relationship. Any kind of relationship. How do you keep it going? I mean, you meet somebody, you're dating him for a month or two, and you're saying, am I getting bored, or is he really right? Or how do you keep, how do you keep the energy going? Or does it just happen? Well, you know, I, I I I don't know if this is exactly what you're talking about, but I have a maybe it is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have a, a friend, uh, or there was a, a couple that my wife and I were friendly with. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, but uh, the, the the husband several years ago got cancer and he eventually passed away. And um, mm-hmm. when after a couple years, because I started writing dating books, the woman sort of came to me for dating advice and i was particularly mm. reluctant to give her dating advice because i have to say that that their marriage their relationship was the best i had ever seen um mm. like they they've been together 25 years um they just seemed so much more connected to each other just in terms of the way they looked at each other the way they talked to each other and touched each other it was i mean i, I mean i i'm Perfectly, I'm a perfectly happily married person, but but I think you, like every once in a while you meet one of these couples that there's something unique going on, and, and this was that this was that couple. Um, so when this woman asked me for advice, I I kind of I hesitated. I said, look, I, I have to tell you, like I you know I'll, I'll we can talk about it, but mm. I think it'll be. I mean, you know, it's going to be really hard to find the same kind of connection with somebody that you had with this person um mm. and she, she she knew that but we started talking about why their marriage at least from the outside or also from the inside well, why their marriage was so successful and here's what she told me she said that she and her husband knew that um that people change 
You know, people are always mm-hmm. changing. And who you were at 26 is not who you are at 32, which is not who you are at 40, and so on and so on. So they treated their marriage like they had to get remarried again every, you know, five to seven years. And they they really put the work in and, you know, realized going in that they weren't the same person now, that they aren't the same person now that they were five years ago, and it was like they were kind of, they made this conscious effort to reconnect, you know, and, and you know, uh, not just take things for granted and just, you know, like do the work again every five to seven years. And I, um, it, it really struck me as one of like the most thoughtful approaches to this I'd ever heard. Well, my sister used to play jokes on my dates. She would meet somebody if she was in my apartment, whatever she was there, and she would have um, a clipboard with questions to ask and see if they passed the Marsha. The Marsha I mean, my sister died. I was, like, so sad. The Marsha Joyce clipboard test, so my nieces were beginning it. I thought it was hilarious. Of course, they didn't, but I thought it was one way to get to know if they have a sense of humor or whatever. I thought that was funny as anything, and, you know, my poor husband had to go through that, but I thought it was fun. It was, it was, it, you got to have a sense of humor, or what's the point? And she used to do that just for fun. And I told my niece, I'm going to try the same thing on you. So, why would be, um, why should they go into dating with an open mind? How do you go into a date? I mean, you meet somebody, and you, you, so a lot of people just have this preconceived notion, oh, he's an electrician, who's this, oh, he's that, or she's this, or she's that, rather than going into it with an open mind. And how did you get all these people to open up on the book? Those stories are interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, to, to your last question first, I mean, I, the, I, I, I use pseudonyms throughout the book, and that's disclosed in yeah. the book. So it, it's easier to get people to tell their relationship stories if they know that they aren't going to be identified. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, some of these people were people who I found through matchmakers or other dating professionals. Some of them mm-hmm. were... Um, you know, friends or friends of friends. Um, some of them were couples who had read the first book and reached out to me after that. So it was kind of, you know, across the gamut in terms of how I I found these couples. And there were a couple that, you know, the the, the story um, that I tell in the, you know, proposed to him chapter about women proposing mm-hmm. to men. Um, I, I had, this was a woman in London who, had written a column for HuffPost UK, and I just loved the column, so I called her, and and we, you know we, we did a phone interview um, uh, based on the column and based on her decision to ask her husband, her now husband, to marry her. So you know, it was a lot of different ways how I found these people, um, and I like to think that I'm a good interviewer, so they open up. You seem like a really good interviewer. This is really interesting. My background is in journalism. I, I wrote for Fortune. I've for never done years, this. But... You know, I've done motivational speak. I've done everybody, just about. And I've read yep. like over thousands of books. And I said, when John asked me to do this, I said, okay, let me read the book first. And I'm going to post a review later. I don't know how it didn't go. My, my, my computer makes things disappear. And my, my just review site makes things just disappear. And I could swear I posted this with, with 10 stars a long time ago. 
and I'm just going to check afterwards. <laughs> that, I, that I mean, I don't normally do books like this, but this was like I couldn't put it down. I go like, this is really good. This is really fantastic. And I think that basically young people, young adults, should read something like this to get a handle on what not to do and what to do. Well, thank you. I and, I appreciate that. Trust me. I don't, lately, I've been... I read a, a mystery thriller that I have to interview the author in September, and I'm going like, oh, my God, this is probably one of the worst books I've ever read. And the character, who's a, whatever she does, is really not too bright, but I'll figure out a way. So when you when you meet somebody and they come in, um, it, I'm reading on page 175, don't be scared, be proactive. So what do you ask? How do, what, how do you start a conversation with someone that you don't know? Because you really don't know them. Unless, of course, your mother or your aunt or your uncle or somebody introduces you to them. What, what, how do you, how do you well, start a conversation? Well, you know, I mean, that, um, you know, when I talk about being proactive, in the, you know, in that chapter, it, it's actually yeah. in terms of get, getting married um, and, and not being afraid to, to propose and, and also just, I mean, if, if the guy doesn't want to, if the guy is, you know, is, is acting in a way in which the relationship is is going to be stuck in neutral for a long time, you know. You th- th- there's no point in hanging around. So that that's the point there. But but to your to your other question, I don't know. I mean, I think one of the reasons why I don't like online dating is because it's really hard to be um, to be open-minded and you know easygoing when the per- when you don't know who the person is across the table from you and he's not accountable to anybody in your life. No, I agree. I also learned something almost the hard way. I don't drink ever. And I drink soda or seltzer or something. And the one thing I did learn a long time ago is um, never leave your drink on the table and if you do, ask for another one when you come back because you don't know if he's going to spike it. And that... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is, it, is that it? Yeah, I went out with my friends from school, and I was teaching when I was 18, and a whole bunch of us went out, and I left my seltzer. And one of the guys, just my good good best friend, decided to play a joke and spike it with about 17 shots of vodka. But you don't taste it. So needless to say, I was the life of the party for the rest of the day. Well, I would I, and I, I don't do, I, I would definitely I know 17 shots of vodka in my seltzer, but maybe I was maybe like, I like oh my god I, I, don't, I don't like I, vodka so that's probably why I don't like drinking at all and I just drink my drink of choice is black coffee so it's like you got to be careful because you don't know you leave it on the table you don't know who you're dating and the guy can literally spike your drink and you don't want that because you can walk out drunk and you just don't know when you're going to wind yeah. up yeah. So, no I, I'm with I'm, you and I, and I kind of feel I mean I, not that Somebody, not that it's impossible that somebody you know, I mean, somebody you know could yeah. do that as well, obviously. But I, I just no, feel yeah. like the risk, I, I feel like the risk factors are higher with strangers that you meet on an app than I agree. people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this pandemic has created problems in general because you don't, you don't know if somebody's vaccinated. You don't want to go near somebody that might have had the COVID virus. You're not sure if they could still get it. I mean, so how do you deal with dating differently with this monstrosity that doesn't want to leave? I mean, there, I, I go into stores and I wear my mask. Not that I like it because it makes me nauseous, but I do it anyway. Yet I went into the, go into the bakery, and the bakery owner says, I'm vaccinated, nobody needs to wear a mask. I said, I don't think that's very wise. So how do you so, date some, meet somebody 
and during this Amy, pandemic, and how do you know that if you meet them, then you're not going to get sick? That's scary. I yeah. In terms of the the medical question, I like it's hard. I, I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a legitimate question, but I'm just curious. Um, Fran, do you live in Manhattan? I live, live in Hartsdale. I mean, okay. um, yeah, my okay. and I have. No, no, I, no, no, I haven't no, no, gone I, into Manhattan in a while. I'm afraid to. Well, no, I, I mean, I, I live in suburban New York as well, and I have to say, and maybe it's different in Hartsdale, but I've been, I've been, you know, I, I'm vaccinated. Everybody around me is vaccinated. Me too. Um, but I've been surprised. At how, like, I, I, if you had asked me in March how long it would take for people to be more relaxed and not as anxious about COVID um, and, you know, not feeling they had to even wear a mask, like, at, at the park. Um, I would have thought it's going to be a year before people are comfortable with it. And mm-hmm. to me, it seems like, um, you know, my, my parents live in Massachusetts, and it's even more kind of, it's moving even faster there. Um, you know, I I personally view this as a good thing. I mean, I, I, I want, you know, I'm... I certainly, like a lot of people, have some COVID fatigue, and I can't wait for things to get back to normal. Uh, but yeah. just in terms of the dating, in terms of the dating stuff, I, I really thought that that if you, you know, if we had talked at the beginning of the year that in June, COVID would still be a huge issue when it came to dating. It is. I, I see. I I don't. I mean, compared to what maybe my maybe my expectations were so over the top in terms of, mm-hmm. of of how limiting it would still be. I, I, I feel like for a lot of singles, things are so much more relaxed than they were in March. Um, now it's hard to – maybe I thought that, that everything would still be totally locked down and, and uh, people would be afraid to even hold hands, and we're definitely not there right now. Well, I look at the, the news and I see them in the bars. Like, yep, exactly. not, you know, yeah. they, 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 and I see them in the restaurant near me, and the restaurant near me has outside dining, and I call up and say, would you please put my order together, and I'll come and get it, bring it outside, because the people, there, there's no room in there, they're sitting um, without masks, and they're sitting, you know, one booth behind the other, not even separated anymore. Um, on Saturday, I go to the Bronx to get my delicious oatmeal grid breakfast, because I got my hair done. And they have masks in there, and nobody. Pretty much, I just call and say, "Is it ready yet?" And you know, they bring it out. I, I don't know. I don't feel so. And I know they're all vaccinated. Uh, my hairdresser, thank God, is vaccinated, but he had COVID. And I, he called me when I, he texted me when I was on the on my radio show. Needless to say, the expletives that came out of my mouth, I wouldn't even repeat it. And it was like, oh my God, yeah. And I had to go get tested that day, and I was fine. But I was with him on Saturday, and he was out for six weeks. And he got the he's just got the Johnson and Johnson, and I got the Moderna, which was horrible. But you know what? You survive. What happens with you, if someone is not vaccinated, and the girl is vaccinated and the guy isn't? Do you go out on the date? Can you take a chance? That's scary. So, so if 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 you the the person I'm advising is not vaccinated, and you're worried about yeah. Well, the date. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're an unvaccinated person, I mean, I, you know, I, it's hard because there, are, there are like you're sort of getting at there are people who, for medical reasons, can't have the vaccine right now. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, I feel for them in terms of, of meeting people because everything is opening up more. Um, yeah. And I, 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 so yeah, I, Fran, I'm sorry, I don't have a good answer to that question. I, I don't. I That's don't know. a hard one. Well, yeah. this is a good one. How do you share your your book with the public, and what's next for you? And when am I getting it? I have to <laughs> um, uh, when, when are you getting the next book? Is that what you're asking, or, or when are you getting this one? Besides, what, what, I mean, well, how do you share your book with the public? Because I know that John said you've been on The View. That must be fun. That must be really fun. Been on what? I'm sorry. What? That you been said on... you've been on The View? With no, 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 I was on there? Good Morning America. Um, you know, uh, oh, that's even you know. better. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, that I'm. Be fun. Y- y- you you can find me on on Twitter at John Berger One J O N B I R G E R One. You can find me on my website, which is johnberger dot com, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, I also do these uh, these virtual book club Q and A's. If anybody's oh, interested, nice. I, I I I partnered with a. A company called bookyaya.com and you know through the bookyaya platform if you have a book club and you want to read make your move i'll you know participate in the q a with um you know with your group and i'll send you a signed copy of the book as well i'll have to tell that to my cousins who have these book clubs this girl just does her reviews uh, my site is just reviews and for those of you that are brave my new book is coming out June 26th. It's called Population Zero. It's a world without people. I created worlds that no one would want to live in. I invited a dead person to come back and experience the world. And at the end I asked, would you like to live in this world or would you start acting more civilized in the one we're in? It's to teach lessons. Um, I've got a lot of people that like it and a lot of people that don't like it. It's different. It's more like Twilight Zone. But I'm very proud of myself that I wrote it, and it's not the caliber of a you know, New York Times bestseller, but you never know. It's going to come out on June 26th, and it's a, I wrote it in memory of my sister who forced me to do this. And MJ Network, uh, which is this network, is after her. So what's your next book? So I'm actually ghostwriting a book, and unfortunately I oh, can't nice. talk about it. Uh, you know, it's a, so I'm, I, I'm oh. busy with a ghostwriting project, but I can't talk about it. I'm sorry. Um, that, that, that's but, interesting. But, but but honestly, like I I didn't you know I, I didn't know what to do next. Um, I I you know, I didn't have a perfect idea for my own next book. So when the ghostwriting opportunity came along, I figured, well, you know, I can. I can take the next year to figure out what I want to do next. So I'm I'm still thinking about it. Well, to write something different, it might be interesting if you wrote a regular romance dating book and see how it turns out. Cause that would, I don't know. I, I may be done with the dating category. Maybe it's time to, to that's branch good. out. Something new, so. Well, if you need to kill off somebody, I can give you a list for murder books. <laughs> <laughs> I've read thousands of books. But I, 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 wanna... um, yeah, I, I uh, Go on. like... Well, I, my former agent, um, I was talking to to him about um, a sequel for the first book, Datanomics, and I suggested Divorceonomics. Um, yeah, that sounds good too. It, it, it did sound good, uh, but he yeah. he immediately kind of you know threw splashed some cold water on it because he's he he had this thing that he called the um, the the Scarsdale train platform test. 
And mm-hmm. the, gist of, the gist of it was, would you want to be seen reading this book on the Scarsdale train platform? And the answer for divorceonomics was always no. <laughs> so I, 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 I would like, read it because, you know what, it teaches people how to get over themselves. And when you get a divorce, oh, well, so what? Yeah, no, you know, I, there are people I, that I, get crushed I, 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 and then there are people... I, I, that who cares? I think there could be a need for it. I just, I think pe- the problem is people like uplifting books, happier books, and I'm just, yeah. I wasn't sure if there would be enough of a market. There probably would be if it was just like a romance that didn't work out and divorce device <laughs> in between. Maybe. But anyway, I anyway, want to thank yeah, you so much. This has been fun, and uh, everyone, the sun came out. It's not raining anymore. Not that it matters. Yep. It's, Here too. it's gorgeous it was, uh, outside. Yeah, I'm, I got worried because I'm a, I coach Little League, and we have a game tomorrow, and I was worried the fields might be soaked, but I think we're going to be okay. That is good. My nephew coaches also. He's 21. Jake coaches, but my brother goes with him because for some reason he doesn't trust him to do it by himself. What can I say? Well, that's, so the, that's my the, family. The, the, tomorrow <laughs> so is our Thank champion. you so much. Okay. And <laughs> if you, you write another so one, much. let me know. And if you ghost writing a book and the ghost wants me to read it, let me know too. I will. Thank um, you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, everybody. Stay safe. Don't hesitate to put on a mask if you don't. If you don't. If you're not sure, everybody stay safe, John. Thank you so much. Everybody have a great day and bye.